The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast. Here on CBS Sports, that's Tom Fernelli, that's Bud Elliott, that's Danny Cannell, I'm Chip Patterson, coming to you live at youtube.com slash cover3 and all the different places you can get the Cover 3 podcast on demand. Thanks for hanging out with us live. Smash that subscribe, smash that like, come and join us in the chat. Chat already rolling, lots to get to. That continued fallout from what has now become official since the last time we got together. Colorado on its way to the Big 12. What's next? What do we expect in the conference realignment landscape? We've got some big recruiting headlines from over the weekend and uh, you know, some big four-star, five-stars, you know, big programs all fighting for commitments right now. Bud's got a number that he wants to introduce. All right. We'll, we'll dig into this a little more later, but it's, it's a controversial number. And of course, as you see from the headline, uh, the first batch of ACC win totals today will be the former members of the Atlantic Division, Clemson, Florida State, Louisville, NC State, Wake Forest, Syracuse, and Boston College. So let's start with Colorado, with the Big 12, and you know what is it next for the Pac-12? Because in terms of actual news here, you know, we get to lean in on our friend Brandon Marcello, 24-7 Sports. You now he's got he's very plugged into this whole scene. And in a piece that he has up, he was able to report that Brett Yormark's uh, primary target for continued expansion is Arizona. Uh, we've heard from a lot of this that Colorado and Arizona were engaging with the Big 12 a long time ago. Things went a little cold on the Arizona side while they continued to obviously get all the way to the finish line with Colorado. Danny, what is your sense of how you're trying to read the tea leaves and predict what sort of timetable or what sort of moves we see next? I think Colorado was the first domino. 
I think there's more dominoes coming. I don't know what they are. I agree. That was a lot of the buzz around Big 12 Media Days where those two were paired together, Colorado, Arizona. And we've seen these things move like Noah's Ark, like they come in twos, right? That's the way it's been going. So it feels like you don't want to be stuck with an odd number. Here's what I here's what I wonder, and I think this is fascinating because let's say, Brett, your mark, let's say it was Colorado, Arizona. But Colorado took that leap first, and maybe Arizona's like, yeah, they're still ready to go. But all of a sudden, what if your phone starts ringing from some of those options that are better than Arizona? And so you're kind of trying to play this game of making sure Arizona's still good to go. But Utah, what's up? Like, you know, that's a better product. It's a bigger, uh, it's, you got a rivalry with BYU. Like, there's a lot of things that make sense. Oregon, Washington, who were always paired with the Big Ten. And I don't know if I believe any validity to them, but if they call, ooh, all of a sudden there's a new player to the table that are more attractive than Arizona. So, I think there's more dominoes coming. I just don't know if it's one or potentially, you know, three, three more. If we go that big, I don't know, but I there's more coming. And I would say it's sooner rather than later because of the urgency you have with the Pac-12 media deal coming soon, however bad it is. Arizona's pretty good basketball school, right? Yeah, it fits that. Mm-hmm. Like it definitely fits the model of your mark trying to create the premier basketball conference in the country. That, you know, if if you are looking down the line at Gonzaga as a basketball only member, if you are, you know, as we kicked around on Thursday, gonna go with the Yukon plan, then if you've got Yukon, Arizona, Kansas, Houston, like you you are selling yourself as something that really, really special when it comes to college basketball. I mean, do you remember when we had your mark on this show? And he wanted to talk basketball like a ton. I was like, this is a college football show. You know, <laughs> uh, it, it maybe we should have read into that more, you know, that, that he's trying to make it that, with the idea that like if the SEC and Big Ten eventually try to try to yank the, the basketball tournament away from the NCAA, that if you're if you have way too many good basketball brands, that you, you're basically going to be an essential piece of whatever the, the big group is going forward, I guess. That's. Hmm. That move, if UConn actually happens, makes sense to me. Or if Arizona happens. Like, you don't get Arizona for football, right? It helps you with your with your, your West Coast time slots, but they're not a football draw. So. What about what about the d- shifting demographics? There's something that you've mentioned often where mm-hmm. a lot of Southern California is um, going to Arizona because of cost of living and that you are finding, uh, I think that you've described it as the, the quality and the caliber of athlete that you're getting out of Arizona is starting to go up and up and up along with those shifting demographics? Like, is there a future where being able to hold down Arizona has some some real value even on the football side? I think that's, that's fair. How long have we been on the air for Mondays at 11? Like three years now? I mean, Roughly. We were the afternoons in season for a little bit. Why? Okay. Uh, well, my, my wife is yelling downstairs. Apparently, she, she doesn't know what time we're <laughs> summer schedule all right (laughs) hey man listen it's life all right we get it all right tom let's what what, where are you seeing these pieces sort of like fall or come together because there you also have to danny's point there's got to be a wish list right if if Mm -hmm. arizona you've already engaged in talks if you know uh brandon's reporting they're the the next target there's clearly other uh, schools down the line because you don't want to be at 13 you would like to be either at 14 or 16 when you unveil this new era of the Big 12. Schools like uh, UConn, Memphis, San Diego State, like there, there has been sort of a reported group, a pool that they might be trying to pick from right now. How, how do you see this one playing out? 
Uh, I think it'll end up being Arizona. If, But again, I, I have no actual intel. I just think that there's definitely somebody else coming. And I'm going to kind of limit my comments on this because Big 12 fans are already pissed off enough at me as it is for what I wrote on Friday. So, yeah, they're, they're going to add another team and they're going to consider it a huge victory. And it really won't be. What? Would you would you care to? I mean, I I read the column, but would you care care to elaborate? I, I just saw in the um, workroom, unbudgeted column comes splashing in on a Friday. I just like I was like, ooh, let's see what Tom has to say. It's my my only thought was really that it's pitted as a win because we pitted the Big Twelve and the Pac Twelve against one another for content. So when the Big Twelve gets one of the Pac Twelve schools, it's like the Big Twelve has won. You guys said two years ago we were dead when Texas and Oklahoma left and when Nebraska left, and we've been dealing with you saying that we're dead for a decade. The Big 12 is dead. The name exists, but the schools that were the Big 12 are all gone. Texas is gone. Oklahoma's gone. Nebraska is gone. Colorado came back. Missouri is gone. Like, the actual Big 12 is dead. All that's left is the brand and the name. If you look at the roster of schools in there, that's not the Big 12. It is a new conference comprising some schools that used to be in the Big 12 and some schools that weren't in the Big 12. The Big 10 never lost anybody. The SEC never lost anybody. Like, it's not a shot at your conference. It's still a good and fun conference, but don't act like you've won when you've been losing for the last decade and you win one battle. Like you didn't win anything. You're just surviving. It, all right. Isn't survival for them a win? Like we know that they don't yeah. have, they don't you have didn't big win. upside. Like, yeah. Germany wasn't blown off the face of the earth at the end of World War II, but I wouldn't say it won. <laughs> if, it, if you're going to harken back to also just like, who's still around, you could argue then that when UCLA is playing Rutgers, the Big Ten is dead. Like the Big Ten that you knew, that you you are still existing, you still have a name, but it is an entirely different product. Yes, but every Big Ten school that was in the league 20, 25 years ago is still in the league. Nobody has left the Big Ten. It's like it's different, but it's still the Big Ten. Yeah, you've still got the the major pieces when you've got the – primary you know usc is leaving the pac-12 texas and oklahoma leaving the big 12 i i I understand you tom what is your plea for georgia fans what's 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 gotten you all hot and bothered about georgia fans uh, i'll keep it short so we've got a lot to get to it's it's just georgia like in, in my time covering this sport like it's always been during the social media era you get to know a lot of fan bases because you deal with and interact with them and they all have lunatics and they all have blind homers, but overall you catch like a vibe from fan bases. And over the years, Georgia was always one of my favorite fan bases because it had high expectations, but they were kind of chill about it. Like they weren't nuts to put it in a best way. And it was one of the reasons I became really happy when we became a Georgia pot a few years ago. Cause I was like, all right, cool. I like this fan base. They're fun, but they're kind of devolving into nuts and it's kind of like you see it when when programs get really big and fan base is kind of, you know, like they're they're all confident and you're winning titles. Like the, the better the program gets, the thinner the skin gets of fans of that program. And they can't accept any kind of slight or criticism where it's like, oh, you hate us, blah, blah, blah. And I'm seeing that so much from Georgia fans this offseason. And it's I think it all stems from Kirby telling the team, you know, like, hey, nobody believes in you, blah, 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 which is fine to tell your players because you need that kind of motivation to get through a season when you have the expectations they do. And it's tough. But the fans you don't have to buy into it. 
Nobody thinks you stink. Nobody thinks you're not going to make the playoff. Nobody thinks you aren't the favorite to win the national title. Everybody understands you will be in the national title or in the playoff. You do not need to send us videos of a Georgia blogger breaking down how Georgia really crushed Ohio State in the playoff game and the game was nowhere near as close as it seemed. The game was close. It literally came down to a last-second field goal. Sometimes you're going to have to play in close games. It doesn't mean the world hates you. You won. You crushed TCU in the national title game. You're going to be in the playoff again this year. Stop taking the bait. Just accept that you're great. Three-peat. Dog's going to three-peat. Listen. Nobody respects Georgia. (laughs) Don't be that fan base. Don't be the whiny, annoying winner. Just be the winner. Nah, there's an elixir at the top of the mountain that if you haven't tasted it in a long time, it's uh, it's kind of addictive. I think that we, I think we got to push back though to that Georgia fans are like this rational, fun fan base for the past 25 years. You I troll would, the I'm, SEC though. That's why they feel that way to you. I'm saying, <laughs> in my general overview of fans, Georgia fans to me were always kind of the most rational, chill. Like at the end of the Ricked era, like they were like, yeah, we could be better. But, you know, we haven't won and they were kind of beaten down. And now that they're winning, it's just it's like, oh, it's they're just developing the same kind of Alabama kind of thing going on. It's like, kids, just chill out, except that you're better than everybody else. It's fine. Where would you rank the Jamison Williams injury and the Marvin Harrison injury among the most important plays for Georgia's two national championships? Like if you're doing a top 10 plays, they're up there. Like like they're both in the top 10, right? They're probably both in the top five. In Missouri, fumbling the ball out of the end zone. The Missouri fumble, yeah. The Missouri fumble, those two. <laughs> I don't think I don't think that any um, any national championship winning fan base in the social media era has has ever come out of winning the title sane or rational. Right, like the most convincing was probably that Bama team during COVID. But like then again, they're like respect us. I'm like. COVID year was kind of weird. Like, you guys were loaded, no doubt. And I think you would have won in almost any other year, too. But you're not as good as that tw- as that 2019 LSU team. Sorry. Um, yeah, because that did that has been circulating, relitigating the Ohio State-Georgia game, which kind of was like, whatever. The game was awesome. They were phenomenal. Like, Stetson Bennett made passes in that game. I did not think Stetson Bennett was going to be able to make. Certainly not on that stage, like, not great. against, like, that team. And when you step up, and that is a championship-level performance. Whoever won that game was going to win the national championship. We might as well call it the title game. Had fun with you boys in L.A., but no, that was not the title game right there. The title <laughs> game took place on New Year's Eve and ended at midnight with a missed field goal because they sent a UNC kicker out. That's your own <laughs> He sent out a North Carolina football player uh, to kick that field goal in, uh, in, in time. All right. From the recruiting trail, massive, massive weekend for Auburn. They had the big stars in town, and they, uh, they cashed in. They cashed in. Five-star wide receiver Perry Thompson flips from Alabama to Auburn at Big Cat week- Weekend. We got Hugh Freeze thrown into a pool. Everybody's loving it. Is but first of all, I mean, if there's something specifically about Thompson that stands out to you as a prospect, I'm always interested to hear. But in terms of the overall trends on the recruiting trail, I mean, is this is this how Auburn does it? You get Hugh Freeze, Hugh Freeze gets it done on the recruiting trail, and now all of a sudden you're right back to where you want to be. I mean, look, an, an awesome big cash weekend for uh, sorry, a big, big cat. Cat, right? God, Ch- Chip saying big big ca- Chip Chip saying cash so much has got cash on the brain. Big cat weekend. For Auburn, um, look, I, I think this program right now, uh, 
if not fully aligned, at least has some of your your big power players aligned. Uh, we know Hugh Freeze is a very good recruiter, uh, specifically as, as for the fit for Perry Thompson, who we have as a top 15 player in the entire country and the number four you know, receiver in a very good receiver class, right, nationally. Like, this is a nice year for, for receivers. Uh, do you guys remember, has Hugh Freeze ever done well with, like, long, linear, tough, big receivers who maybe aren't like the absolute best on the underneath no. stuff and you know hands could be a little bit better like with consistency but you know tough Treadwell, physical guy. is that his name yeah Treadwell, he did, he, something he, like that it's funny because you mentioned laquan tread chadwell and I, I remember him like tweeting or putting on instagram him holding a big wad of cash after he uh committed to <laughs> ole miss at the time yeah. which is it's odd that you're bringing that up in this situation we we, we we've never pretended uh that that this that, that you don't have to be committed right to, to recruit at a high level on this show. Uh, DK Metcalf would be an, another one. Yeah, so six three two hundred, good long speed, runs track, also plays defense, special teams, physical kid, like le- legitimately a, a really really nice get for Auburn. They also get Demar- Demarcus uh, the, the the linebacker there to flip uh, from Georgia at, when he did his sort of final commitment thing. Demarcus Redd, excuse me, and they pick up Simmons, who I know they're, they're excited about. I mean, look, I was in my rental car at overtime when they got uh, Joseph Phillips, right? And they, they beat Georgia for a kid Georgia legitimately wanted. And we were in a paint delay because overtime, the basketball company that's trying to do football stuff, they didn't get the fields painted on time in California. So the paint wasn't dry. So the tournament was in like a two-hour paint delay. I'm like, <laughs> all right, like what what do I do here in the car? Uh, you know, I, I, I'll, just, I'll shoot some TikToks. And uh, I made one about how, look, you need to take this seriously. Auburn is not messing around when it comes to recruiting, if they're beating Georgia for kids that Georgia actually wants. And so, yeah, I think we have to regard Auburn as absolutely on the right track. Like that first full recruiting class that you sign, not the one that you only have six weeks to put together right after you get, after you get hired. That first full one is often the most important one you'll sign. Go back and look at what Saban's was, right? Not the 07 class, but that 08 class. That's the really big one that you have to get right. And uh, so far, it looks like Hugh Freeze and Auburn are on the right track here with, with the recruiting. Um, in the, uh, in the rivalry bucket for, we've got Ohio state beating out Michigan for Aaron Scott. Did this have anything to do with the quality of the chicken tenders and the hot dog that were shared from, Oh, Oh, oh you're going to defend that hot dog. <laughs> I'm not going to defend the hot dog, but I am going to say Aramark chicken tenders are pretty damn good. They're in a lot of yeah. press boxes. They're very good. Yeah. With, with the right honey mustard, I'm with mm-hmm. you, but it is more of a dipping utility necessarily mm-hmm. then you know a lot a lot of breadiness for sure but anyway yeah. the Aaron, Aaron Scott commitment why is this big for the Buckeyes I just think it's big for Ohio State to win on defensive players right like nobody bats an eye when they get a receiver from a or when they get a commitment from a five-star receiver or an elite quarterback but this is a guy that Michigan went really hard after uh, a lot of people thought he was going to go to Michigan and uh, you know Bucknuts obviously our Ohio State side did a great job of covering this thing and they end up getting Aaron Scott uh, to commit to Ohio state. So yeah, I, I just, it was notable to me. If you lose a kid like that to Michigan, then maybe your, your brain starts to think, uh, do they have an issue recruiting defense right now? It's just, it, it was a good hold serve for a kid that you think Ohio state probably should land. And wow. I think he endears himself to the fan base right away by pulling the okie doke, by pulling it out of the Michigan bag. Cause that's, that's one way to become a favorite player of Ohio state fans is to just kind of, crap on Michigan in the process of doing it. I want to step back for one second, though, just to clarify something. I'm fine with 
paying the recruits. Like when I was making the joke about Treadwell, I was fine with it at the time. I hope Treadwell got a ton of money from Hugh Freeze at Ole Miss to go to Ole Miss. And I hope the kids that he flipped this weekend are getting a ton of money to flip. Cool. Do it with, I'm fine with it. Yeah, that's fine. Nope. I don't think you found a lot of, you know. Um, I just don't want it to be like, oh, Tom's going to get, no, I'm cool with it. No, no, no. Your grumpy takes are in other categories. Everyone understands that. <laughs> no, one's published, no one's putting you in that for paying players. Name one grumpy take. Um. All right. So, Bud, we'll we'll hit this real quick, and I think we want to expand on it more in the future. But for those of our listeners who are not on Twitter and did not see uh, Saturday night, ten o'clock, <laughs> Bud Bud fired out a a nice, but Bud fired out one that was going to get the people going. Uh, he was retweeting David Hale, who was discussing uh, the ACC and the Big 12. Uh, Bud says there are 18 teams whose attainable goal is to win a national title. They act like it. They spend like it. They fundraise off it and know that at their ceiling, it's doable. And most have actually done it in the last 30 years. He said the new Big 12 without Texas and Oklahoma has zero of those 18 teams whose top goal it is to win a national title. The ACC has three. The new Big 12 schools don't sweat not having the financials to compete for a national championship because it's not a realistic goal. The three in the ACC care more because they have more to lose if the TV split carries into the 2030s or into 2030. So, Bud, how'd you get to 18? Well, I, I just thought about it. I said, okay, teams that have won it in the last 30 years, but that's a pretty good chunk, right? And in the ACC, uh, there's three. Clemson, Florida State, and Miami. I guess Miami's not yeah, they are within the last 30 years. Yeah. You know, and we'll oh, with well, the whole uh, you know, SEC investigation thing that's going on there right now. Maybe they shouldn't be in the 18. But for now, they they certainly are. And, and like the way that they are recruiting and spending and and you know, spending up to get Cristobal away from Oregon. Like Oregon's not gonna or Cristobal's not gonna go to Miami if he thought Miami was broke. So clearly he thinks they have national title type resources. In the SEC, it's pretty clear to me that there's seven. You know, AM has not won one uh, in, in, in the last 30 years, but everybody else, LSU, Auburn, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, and Tennessee have. Mm-hmm. There's a pretty clear recruiting split between those seven and everybody else in the SEC. The two new ones in the SEC as well, they clearly spend like it. Like it, it in the Big Ten, I think there's three. I did include Penn State because they – they seem to recruit at a higher level. And you know, there are definitely teams that have a higher level of success in recent years. But it really just comes down to, can you get the coach and the recruiting operation that can get the extremely high-level player right? that is capable of winning a national title? So I don't really care if Wisconsin's won 10 games X number of times. Like, Cool, they haven't won the 12th and 13th and 14th and 15th game because at a certain point, the talent just swamps you. I think Oregon can get there. They've played for it twice and. I mean, the, the notable recruiting wins that they've had under multiple coaches uh, tells me that they are committed on the back end to it. And USC. And then the Irish, I still keep them in there. I know they haven't won a title in the last 30 years, but I mean. They've been look, to a BCS title game in two playoffs. They're capable. Right, exactly. And if this thing goes to employees and they, they lose the holes, you know, against buying guys. So that's really where I'm at with the list. Question um, for you. Yeah, you said there are no Big Twelve teams of the list. You're 18. How many teams in your list of 18 used to be in the Big Twelve? Well, let's see. Uh, Texas A&M, three. Mm-hmm. three. Texas, Oklahoma, Nebraska fans are big mad that I, I did not include them. But like, look at Nebraska's class 
this year. Like we just talked about what Hugh Freeze is doing. Nebraska's got one player in the top 150 in, in the mm-hmm. composite, I think. So like maybe it's a slow burn resource? and I'll reconsider. Do you think that's resource-based or just where we are now in college football? Like they could have as much as anybody. They're just going to struggle to get the top players there. Probably the latter. Like I, I think the the regionality and, and some of their some of their inefficiencies in the market that they exploited uh are probably mm-hmm. kind of ground out now. Yeah. I don't know. Like I thought 18 was actually pretty permissive yes. and like very liberal of a list. And I got people being like, you're you're a joke, and you know, TCU is gonna fill this void. And I'm like, dude, TCU, if they were really gonna step up, don't you think they'd they would like when are you ever gonna have a better thing to sell than, than this year you just had? And I have a ton of respect for TCU staff, but like they don't recruit anywhere close to a national title level of recruiting. Also, you know, the like, list like, is the list is for right now. It doesn't mean that schools right. won't be leaving it or enjoying it at any point in the future. But I, I, going back to the Nebraska thing, I, I'm a, I'm with you, but I think it's the latter point, Danny, because like I, there's just there's been discussion of is it be, leaving the Big Twelve or being in the Big Ten. I think more than anything, it's just the way recruiting has changed. Whereas it's now such a national thing that. You know, Nebraska at the time when it was really a powerhouse had the big brand and it was recognizable and it was able to get kids from all over the country to come. It was taking advantage of like a walk-on program and strength and conditioning program that maybe was a little loose with some rules. And But now where these kids can go anywhere and teams from all over the country are no longer just recruiting their – you know, like Alabama is not just recruiting the Southeast. Alabama right. can go to California. Ohio State is going to California. Nebraska's kind of fallen behind as a destination for a lot of these kids. Yeah, the top two picks in this last NFL draft were both quarterbacks who played high school ball in California, but they went to Alabama and Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Like It's just a, a different game in terms of the number of big national powers. So um, I guess I'll, you know, I'll, I'll wrap it with uh, this great comment from Isaac in the chat. Good friend, always watches. Bud, your logic and reasoning is no match for my delusion and unwillingness to accept it. <laughs> Shout out to fans everywhere. Which is exactly why the expanded college ball playoff will work just fine. Because I thought 18 was probably too many, but I was trying to be all-encompassing. And there's at least 10 fan bases who think I'm an absolute idiot. And they really and honestly, truly believe their team can win a national title. So, guys, we'll see. everybody hey, believes. We'll see. Anytime I'm, you have a good year, they believe they got that ceiling. I am excited to see how, in the expansion era, we get a chance to redefine the kinds of teams who win a national championship. Yeah. And it might be less... Or it might be more. We'll see. Coming up on the other side, we've done a lot of talking. We have not given the ACC time they need. So we're going to do that with ACC win totals, starting with Clemson and Florida State. Next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. 
from LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account. Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, continuing our win totals series. We started with the Pac-12, then we went to the Big 12. That brings us to the ACC, which brings us to the general manager of Vanderbilt Football. As much as I think it's the, the under Count is a safe up. play, like I can't even... Count them up! Count them up! How many kids are going to win this fall? I can't fathom who wins. How many kids are going to win this fall? I just can't. I don't see it. It's not, it's not on there. It's not, not the schedule I'm looking at. Unless there's another schedule somewhere. The Clemson Tigers. Over under win total at Caesar Sportsbook at 10 wins. The over at minus 125. The under at minus 105. Ooh, they got to get started stepping into the house that Mike Elko built on Labor Day night. Clemson at Duke to get things rolling. Then on the short week, they come back and play Charleston Southern at home. Welcome Tom Herman and FAU on September 16th at home. And then Florida State, September 23rd. Game of the year in the SEC right there in week four. Hope you're ready. Follow that up with a trip to Syracuse, then Wake Forest at home, off on October 14th. Then back-to-back roadies when they're back in action at Miami on the 21st of October, then at NC State the next week, then come back for an extended um, home residency, Notre Dame at home, Georgia Tech at home, North Carolina at home, and then finish the year at South Carolina, a team that beat them in Death Valley last year. Tom, what stands out to you about Clemson? Where are we going with this win total? I will say to start that Labor Day evening game against Duke, like as a fan who's only got one game to watch that night, I hope that is a competitive game. But for Clemson's sake, I hope I'm done with that one by halftime. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going over, not overly confident. I'm more in that 10 and a half win kind of range. But I, I look at the schedule. I I do think the change on, on the offensive side with the new offensive coordinator and Garrett Riley is a good sign. Again, we have to see it work before we can really buy it. But the fact that they've made the change gives me optimism that we're going to see something different there. I like Klubnik. I like what I saw from him last year. I think that that is a good fit for what they're probably going to be doing on offense this year. I think defensively, I don't know. I don't think they have quite the dudes that they've had the last few years, but I think that they're still overall solid and I still think they're going to be very good on that side of the ball. And when I look at the schedule, Florida state at home, that's the toughest game. I think that they'll play, but it's at home. So that's always a benefit. Miami on the road could be tough, but Miami could also be Miami again. And it's off a bye, So there's some optimism there. Notre Dame, they get at home. I I'm sorry, Notre Dame fans. Like, I don't think you're going to be bad this year, but I just don't think the Fighting Irish are going to be like a national title contender type of team. I think they're going to be an eight to nine win team. And the rest of it, like NC State on the road, possible trip up. The South Carolina game that they lost last year, possible trip up. Yes. So, like, they could go 10 and two. I don't see nine and three. So, with this win total being at 10, I'm mostly a push, but just 10 and a half, so slightly over. 
Yeah, I'm I'm right there with Tom. Slide over. I I don't really see an edge on ten. Uh, nine and a half. I I could see an edge. I think they have dudes in the in the defensive secondary. I think they have dudes at linebacker. I think they have dudes linebacker. at D tackle. My real concern is yes, the end. Yeah, yeah. Like like they they you lose Henry, you lose Murphy, you lose you lose Brzee. You're counting on Xavier Thomas to be a, like you kind of need him to be a dude. It's, it's no longer a luxury uh, as to whether he can be a guy for you. And look, he played 450 snaps last or two years ago, so it's not crazy that maybe he could be. They're better everywhere on offense, right? I think they're upgraded at quarterback. I think the O line overall is better. Receivers definitely better with the experience and the, and the health. They have probably the best back combo in the in, in the ACC. They're going to be favored, in, and I think should be favored in every single game. So I'm going to go over. But man, if they're not quite as good as I think, like it's not crazy to think eight and four either, right? Like like all oh. of a sudden, there's a lot of games where they they should be favored by more than a touchdown, but like less than fourteen. But if they're like a field goal worse, then all of a sudden there's a lot of games that are favored by like six, seven, nine, as opposed to that like you know nine to thirteen range. Man, y'all are crazy. Yeah. I think this is one of the best ones out there. I, the worst case, I think, is ten and two. Okay. So, so I think you have to go over. I feel confident in the over. Now, I am confident in Kate Klubnik. I'm confident in Garrett Riley bringing fresh life to this offense, which I think is much needed. I'm confident Will Shipley being one of the best backs in the country. I feel better about their defense. You know, it's funny though because Tyler Davis and you guys saw him. He was there in Charlotte, and we got to see him, and. He's a big guy, but he's not like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Some of the guys like a Jordan Davis, um, a Jalen Carter, like some of the guys coming from the SEC, you're like, oh my gosh, this guy's a monster. Not that like, not that type of size, but I also think him and uh, Rook uh, Aroro next to him, I think they'll have one of the better interiors. The linebacking core is back. They have a ton of experience back. And the schedule, like I, when you say there's four losses potentially – Man, a lot of those other teams have to work out on the really good side to potentially right. see that. And I just think they're going to be upgraded at quarterback. I think the offense is upgraded. I think the defense is going to be good. I think it's over all day long. From a physical standpoint, you do have more Christian Wilkinses than Dexter Lawrence's mm-hmm. right now. We're like yes. really high-level players, but just not the kind of physical like freaks that Big Dex was when he was coming through. I think funny because Peter Woods, kid, Davis, by the way, What's Peter that? Woods is legit. Peter Woods, I, I heard wrecked them in practice. Like Peter Woods, I know True freshman he's, played seven eight football off, in Alabama. But, like yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, just, like, he didn't. He's got T Rex arms, right? They're definitely shorter arms. Yeah, yeah. So NFL time, we'll remember this when he's getting like top fifteen pick hype. But yes, like I think against a lot of the ACC offensive lines, he's going to be a, a problem even at eighteen years old. You can measure arms, but you know what you can't measure? Heart. Heart. Yeah. yeah. Um, Trotter and Carter, I think, are two dudes at linebacker that I, I don't have my ballot pulled up, but I remember thinking about putting them one, two on my all ACC, mm-hmm. you know, top linebackers. So, you know, Makuba's pretty good in the secondary. Like this, you can see that, yes, pass rush is a concern, but compared to most ACC defenses, they're still going to be awesome. And that's been the one thing that's been consistent and allowed them to continue to win 10 games over the last two years as the offense has sputtered and spun its wheels. 9-3 and three ain't happening with this team, and 12-0 and 0 is not unlikely. You get North Carolina at home. You get Notre Dame at home. Like, this is 
the moment for you get Florida State at home. This is the moment for Clemson where I have to go back and remind myself that Death Valley is one of the best home field advantages. I am not like starstruck by the bus ride and running down the hill. <laughs> But the building itself and the environment that they create for games is impressive and I think like worth considering when you're trying to do uh, your home away splits and figure out which home fields you really provide value for. I'm, a, I'm strong over with Clemson. I think there's – me, I'm with Chip. I think there's a better chance for 12-0 and 0 than 9-3. and 3. Yeah. Now, also, disagree, disclaimer – I would disagree with that, yes. Disclaimer here <laughs> – Spending time in Charlotte, feel great about all these overs. Everybody's selling their teams. Oh, I was yeah. feeling good. You start talking to players, you like them. You're like, oh man, they're going to be good this year. So I think Virginia might be going twelve and zero. I don't know. I just got this feeling. Um, I, <laughs> I thankfully did this exercise like three weeks ago, and I think there's only two teams that I flipped based on vibes from Charlotte, and we'll get to one of them coming up a little bit later. Count them up. We turn from Clemson to the co-favorites of sorts. Caesar Sportsbook's got Clemson around plus 130, Florida State at plus 140. No one else better than 9 to 1 or 12 to 1 on the board. So it's going to be one of these two. And they start with one of the biggest non-conference games in the entire sport. And it's on the Sunday of Labor Day weekend. LSU, Florida State in Orlando. They come back on a short week, open their home schedule with Southern Miss at home, then at Boston College on September 16th. Watch out, that's Red Bandana, followed by at Clemson before they get the off week on September 30th. Then it's Virginia Tech at home, Syracuse at home, Duke at home, at Wake Forest, at Pitt, then back home for the rivalry game against Miami a little bit later this year, November 11th, North Alabama, and then at Florida in Gainesville. The Caesar Sportsbook has this one at nine and a half with a little bit of juice to the over, minus 140, under at plus 110. Danny, first word. Come on. We know where we're going with this one. It's over, but I'll say this. We were talking about Clemson being more likely 12 and 0 than 9 and 3. That's Chip and I's uh, take. I think 9 and 3 is more likely than 12 and 0, like if you were going to take one of those. But I saw three games. LSU at Clemson, Pitt game terrifies me. Uh, at Pittsburgh is a scary game, especially where it falls on the schedule right after Wake Forest, before Miami. Like It's just wedged right in there. But the offense is going to be insane. There's so many weapons all over the field. I think they're going to put up points against almost anybody to play. The teams that I'm worried about are the teams that either can score with them or can establish a run game against them and potentially keep it out of that offense's hands. So that's why I had those. I also think the Florida game at the end of the year, I mean, it's a rivalry game. We saw them struggle with a bad Florida team this year. It's something that gives me concern. But I have trust in Jordan Travis. I have trust in Mike Norvell. I have trust in the mindset of the program that still feels hungry to go where they want to go. There's no complacency and relaxing based on what they accomplished last year. They want to do more this year, and I think they will. I'll go over as well. Um, we talked a lot about the improvements. I, I, I have them favored in 10 games. I, I have them as a dog at Clemson. I have them as a dog against LSU, right? That doesn't mean they, they can't win those games or one of those games. If you're going over here, you're basically like, all right, they are significantly better than the rest of the, of the ACC teams they play, which last year they were not, right? They, they lost to NC State. They lost to Wake uh, in, in, within the league in addition to Clemson. Or 
they have room for a slip up if they're able to win against Clemson or LSU. I do think that's I think 10 and 2 is more likely than 9 and 3. I think yeah. 10 and 2 is 10 and 2 like when I run my numbers is the record that comes up the most. And then 9 and 3, you know, and then like because of some injury tails and stuff, you know, 11 and 1, 8 and 4, 7 and 5, 12 and 0 type stuff. Um so I'm going to go slightly over here. The fact that they still don't have word on Daryl Jackson's waiver scares me a good bit because like that was a major piece they added to that defensive line in the offseason. I think they need him if they want to be a playoff caliber team. Uh, but the fact that uh, Keon Coleman apparently windmill dunked in jeans at Mike Norvell's house uh, is kind of nuts. And look, I think they I think they would play LSU in a parking lot tomorrow if they could. Because LSU has all these new pieces to break in in the secondary, and FSU's like, all right, returning a, a lot of returning production. They're able to run a lot of stuff. I mean, if if that game is later in the year, I, I probably make it LSU by like a point, maybe even a point and a half more because of the whole secondary gelling aspect of it. Uh, so the timing of that may help a little bit. I'm, I'm going to go over here. Uh, I don't think they're like national title good, but you know, I, I do think that they have a pretty good level of talent. They may just be better than everybody else in the ACC, not named Clemson. We'll see. So- Chip, I'm assuming you're on the over two based on your reaction to Bud saying ten and two more likely than nine and three. Yeah, I've got nine and three is the worst case scenario. Like our pets' heads are falling off. Jordan oh. Travis gets hurt, and like you know, this thing things get really, really bad fast. I think the worst case is like an eight and four, like it, like, like healthy Travis to me. Worst case is eight and four. I guess I got to do it then. I got to slap you ACC homers with your Kool Aid in the face and go under. Let's. I mean. I'm not saying I, I've talked about, I've joked about, you know, the Florida State reaching the playoff this year and doing the all everybody back playoff. But like, look at this schedule LSU to open in Orlando. Then you're at Clemson in your fourth game of the year. There is a very real chance this team starts off two and two. Like, I, they beat I, I, LSU yeah. last year in New Orleans on a missed extra point. Not like it was a domination, but again, I think LSU is better this year too. Clemson on the road. That's going to be really, really tough. So then if you're sitting at two and two, you've got to be perfect down the stretch against Virginia Tech, Syracuse, Duke, at Wake, at Pitt, Miami, North Alabama. That's a tough one. And then you finish at Florida. I think nine and three is more likely than 10 and two. I am going under. So vibes here. If there is a team that I think can rally from a two and two start and like get refocused, it has been the fact that they've built this up, that they've like gone through hell and they have like gone through the injury issues and 0 and 4 losing to Jacksonville State because you forget to play defense on the back end. Like there, <laughs> there's been some real through the fire moments that I think has at least allowed for some resiliency that this thing doesn't become fractured, even as it is a roster that has had a lot of, you know, transfers. You've just got guys like, a Jared verse who like came back for a reason, you know, you've got all of these important key figures in that locker room where of, of the teams that we're discussing today, like the fabric of that group, I do think is strong enough that they would be able to withstand the two and two start and then run off eight wins in a row to close the year. That actually scares me like in the opposite direction. What? I, I'm scared that, that guys in the program think they're like national title good. And if they're two and two, They'll after check the end out. Of September, I think they check out. Or Ooh. could check out. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, like that like, here. Like, like, like they, haven't, they haven't won the ACC in like almost a decade now. Right? right. But I don't like that's a goal. But I think some people have bigger goals than that within the program. And I'm like, win the ACC, actually take care of business within the conference for once. Right. Like if you if you run good, 
you get the right bounces, you play up like maybe a field goal better power ratings wise than I even think you are. And I already have you pretty high since I'm taking your over. But like, yeah, man, you got a lot of guys who came back. I think we want to raise NFL draft stock. It, 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 does it start being about more more me than we if they're two and two and out of the playoff race and, and out, out of the? I don't think they're really in the national title race, but whatever. Like, but we, you got to count on Norvell, that. right? I mean, if you really think that he's yeah, I think you have to, to. But to like levels. But I, I don't know, man. Hammy feels tight. Hammy feels tight. Coach. I think that's, you that's, trust that's what I'm saying. Leadership, and I think you trust the character of the team. I yeah. think that's what you trust. And I think Jordan Travis is a unique – like I, Bryce Young played the bowl game last year. Well, I, I think you would see more of that mentality from this team than the opposite. So I think – I'm not worried about them falling apart like if and throwing in the towel in the back end. I love that. The, the win total is at nine and a half, and I say I think nine and three is more likely than ten and two, and I got a whole bunch of people like, Tom's a hater. <laughs> like, wow. no, I'm predicting they're going to finish nine and three. I think this is a favorites league, by the way. Like, I think there's real gaps in talent. Like, like It is growing yearly. Yes. I, I agree with that 100%. And, like, and, the bottom of this and, league sucks. As, as you run it one through 14, we just dropped two overs on the two highest win totals, mm-hmm. and I guarantee you what's going to happen when we get down to the bottom. Those are going to be under. Yeah, because it's going to be teams that can't win a game. Anyway, coming up on the other side, one of the trendiest picks and teams is the Louisville Cardinals in year one with Jeff Brom. Do we believe it? Is he going to get 25 transfers all on the same page to take advantage of a favorable schedule? So we'll get into the cards. NC State, Wake Forest, Syracuse, and Boston College. Next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back here on the Cover 3 Podcast, ACC Win Totals Part 1. Today, we go through the teams that used to be in the ACC's Atlantic Division. Reminder, we are divisionless now. Each of these teams has three permanent partners. Then they will play five teams one year, the other five the next, rotating back and forth. So you get to see everyone in the ACC across a two-year window. Year one for Jeff Brom Louisville Cardinals is the favorable year. Louisville's in this funny spot where neither Clemson nor Florida State is a permanent rival. And they're also paired together on the 355 rotation. So congratulations, Jeff. In 2023 and 2025 and 2027, you don't have to play Clemson and Florida State. 2024 and 2026, things might get a little tricky. But let's dive into the schedule. Louisville starts neutral-ish site against Georgia Tech uh, in Atlanta in the Falcon Stadium. Then on a short turnaround, they play Murray State for the home opener. Then it's back into an NFL stadium with Indiana in the Colts Stadium. Boston College at home and the very first true road game on another campus is at NC State on September 29th. Notre Dame right after that coming to town and then at Pitt on the 14th 
uh, off week on October 21st. Back in action for the final five games of the nice little residency. Duke at home, Virginia Tech at home, Virginia at home, then at Miami on the 18th, and then close the year with the rivalry game against Kentucky. That game also at home. Over under win total is at eight with over minus 120, under minus 110. Tom, where are you going? I'm going with a push, but I'm going to, I'm the under if I'm picking a side. I, I don't want to get, we've talked so much about how easy this schedule is, and I don't want to get clouded by the schedule being easy compared to other things and then trying to remember the team that's playing it. Like, I think Braum is a great hire for Louisville. I think they're going to do very well under him, but I still think this team is flawed. And I think this team has been flawed for a few years now. And I think that's why they were so happy to run Scott Satterfield out of town to Cincinnati. And I look at this schedule. I see a lot of games I think they're going to win, but there really aren't the games I'm looking at outside of maybe Virginia Tech and Virginia at home where I say, oh, they're definitely winning that game. Like there's a lot of should win, should win, should win, should win, won't win, should win, but there aren't, oh, definitely going to. So for me, I think seven and five is slightly more likely than a nine and three. I think eight and four is the most likely outcome though. I'm going to go slightly over here, actually. Um, I, I, Definitely, like the, the time to hit this was was at seven and a half. If you could get like, I'm not trying to pass post this stuff. I, I just you know, or or seven, which is available for like ten minutes. Um, I think that like the floor of this team is really high with Plummer, Brom. I w- given Louisville's NIL uh, abilities, which they definitely have some, and his track record as a head coach of quarterbacks, I think that they could have gotten a potentially higher upside guy. But I think Brom looked around and saw what he had at the skill positions, which I do think are pretty good, and some trust that he has in a guy like Plummer, who was decent last year for a, a pretty bad Cal offense. I know they feel good about the offensive line. Brian Hudson's like a really good center who they like. I think the secondary's probably fine. My major concern is, is pass rush. They do lose like 40-something tackles for loss across three guys, but – Man, I just think there's been a ton of uninspired head coaching hires in this league recently, and Brahm's a hell of a coach, and he plays almost all these guys. And like Louisville's actually a program that's trying in the portal and paying for it. So, like, I mean, I think I only have them as an underdog three times. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go over. Jamari Thrash, transfer out of Georgia State. It's a very talented wide receiver who probably could have gone to another Power 5 school. Word's been good. You know, like I, I think that all Jeff Brom has to do is be like, hmm, Rondale Moore, David Bell. Do you see what Charlie Jones did when he escaped from Iowa? Like I, like I can lead and coach up passing games and wide receiver development. And I, I think that the offense will be really, really good. The line that they are selling is pointing out that the defense got so much better throughout last season and was better at the end of the year. A statement that I agree with, but Bud, to your point, a lot of the players that were at the you yeah. know the face of that defense. The NFL draft game. also agreed. Yeah, and so yeah. Uh, they're going to be gone right now. But I mean, there are only three true road games. Uh, I expect that Louisville fans who are just going crazy over you know this hire are going to travel to Atlanta and be in the Falcon Stadium, and they are going to drive to Indianapolis, and they're going to fill up the Colt Stadium as well. I just you know this is a this is a year where Jeff Brom, even as we said on the ACC Media Days show last week, he recognizes the pressure. Like he he does not want 
to let down everybody that is investing as much as they are investing in Louisville football right now. I don't, I think nine and three is more likely than seven and five. I'm on the over. I had them at seven wins going into the last game against Kentucky at home. If they win that, they get eight. So like I, and I actually, I I feel pretty good about eight. Like I think it's probably a push play. I think there's eight, but and I am starting off 4-0, winning that game at Georgia Tech, winning against Indiana, winning, uh, beating Boston College. I think NC State on a Friday night is going to be a tricky game. I had them losing that one. Notre Dame, I had them losing that one. I had them losing at Pitt. And I had them losing at Miami. That's the game that I think is one of those where are you anticipating a big bounce back from Miami or they're a much tougher out? I think, I think they're going to be a much tougher out. So I'm going under. I think it's probably eight, but if I was going to say more likely one way or another, I'd go under. How many games are going to win this fall? Speaking of that Friday night in Carter-Finley Stadium, it's one of the big games when you're trying to decide which way you're going to go with NC State. Start the year at UConn on the Thursday of week one, and then the home opener is against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Woo-wee! VMI after that, so things get a little bit lighter. Then at Virginia on a Friday night, followed by Louisville at home on a Friday night. Then Marshall, then at Duke. They are off on October 21st, then back in action on October 28th with Clemson at home, Miami at home after that, then at Wake Forest, at Virginia Tech, and North Carolina. Uh, this is, of course, the you know the reuniting of Brennan Armstrong and Robert and I as they try to inject a little bit of creativity into an offense that Dave Dorn himself said he was looking to evolve. Uh, the defense has been rock solid, and while they lost a lot of big names, I still think that they're great there because the injury issues have meant all the guys that are taking over the starting spots have had to play a ton of snaps over the last couple of years. But the schedule is tough and does have some pitfalls, and we do have a lot of questions at the skill position. So uh, I guess... Th- but I'll go to you first. Which way on NC State? I'm going over. F- favorites conference. I, I just so. I, I think they are just physically better than a lot of the bottom half of this league. It would be very hard for them to be worse at quarterback than they were la- la- last year. I mean, a- after Leary went down, uh, it was they, they played Ben Finley. They played this Tom Chambers, Chambers kid. Tom Chambers, yeah. at law. Dude, seriously. <laughs> uh, and then like MJ Morris actually Jack played. Chambers, excuse me. Yeah, played pretty well for him. You know. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say, I think the Rosner kid from Rice is a fairly big get. One of my biggest question marks when I go through and do my notes on these these squads was receiver uh, for NC State. I thought their receivers, and granted, the weather was not good, but like the receivers in the spring game, was like this is, man, <laughs> this ain't great. Uh, and the fact that they were able to get him as a grad transfer, like a 23, 24 year old dude who's been a very good player. And granted, it's big? in the CUSA. Yeah, he's a big guy. Like, mm-hmm. You basically got a okay. Last year playing college ball, very old, big dude who who's dependable. I think they're probably really good at corner. Yes, safety's kind of a question. And then in schedule wise, like I'm not really scared of UConn. They're gonna beat VMI. I don't care where they play Virginia. They're gonna beat them, right? You get Marshall at home. You get, I mean, look, Tuva Tech to Wake. And to Duke are probably where this thing gets figured out. Like they need to go two and one in that stretch. I believe they can do so. And uh, I, I think they, I like their strength program. They develop guys. I feel like they're always somewhat good to really good on the lines of scrimmage. I'm going over. So I had them at 
I had six wins, two losses. Like those are the games I felt pretty confident about. So I had four kind of toss-up games that I need to get two and two out of those. And the difference for me was Brennan Armstrong. I'm going over. Uh, I think the offense, I'm excited to see what it looks like. I don't know if you guys noticed it, but Brennan Armstrong, he was by far, I thought, the most mature, confident quarterback at a- in Charlotte at ACC Media Days. Like, and, and Jordan Travis is mature, and he presents himself. Drake Mays, you know, impressive. He but talks Brennan like a football coach. Well, yeah, talks, uh, yeah, he talks like a football coach right yeah. now. He There's talks like he's already 41 years old. Yes. The yeah, I can tell you what, I we're doing really real well out there. Yeah, I mean, there's something about him. It's just like it's different than all the other guys. Just at like, a, a, like it's funny because I told him, I was like, hey, I said, you know, my nephew's at NC State now. He's playing hoops. I was like, and he's like, oh, he's like, he's like, when do they start the season? He's like, and I, I, he basically, it was a business decision. You could tell because he's like, he's not going to be there in, in past bowl season to be watching an ENCA's basketball games. He's already like doing the math. Like I'm not even be here that long. I think he's there on a mission. I think Dave Dorn and Robert and I, I think they trust him and I'm going to trust him in those games. It could be tight one possession games. I think he's a gamer too. I was impressed with him. So I'm going to go over. His total is disrespectful. <laughs> Dave Dorn has been at NC state 10 seasons. You know how many times he's finished any of them with fewer than seven wins? It's been like Twice. six years, right? Twice. And one of them was his very first season there. Yeah. Like, yeah, you could talk about the schedule is tough, and it is in a vacuum when you look at the teams they're playing. But every single tough game is going to be played in Raleigh. Notre Dame's at home. Louisville's at home. Clemson's at home. Miami's at home. North Carolina's at home. The toughest road game is Wake Forest. This team's winning at least eight games. My numbers have them more likely to win nine than seven. So, Ooh, yes, okay. give me the over. I got five certified wins. I got two losses on the board. I got five toss-up games. Uh, the way that I've got those toss-up games are Louisville at Duke, Miami at Wake Forest, and UNC. Dave Doran's got UNC's number. You write the big games at home. I am also on the over for the Wolfpack. I think that their secondary – you mentioned – I think their secondary is fantastic. Aiden Hill mm-hmm. and the corners are going to be really good. And if Peyton Wilson can stay healthy, we finally saw him get more comfortable after all the surgeries later in the year. Defensive line is going to be nasty. Um, it, it, you can take a last year's approach where NC State's winning a boatload of ball games thanks to the defense, and then just imagine even a slight step forward in terms of offensive creativity. It's going to get them to where they need to go. So I'm also on the Pack end. Podcast. Let's go, all Pack over. Podcast. Count them up! Speaking of the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, the post-Sam Hartman era, the Mitch Griffiths era, begins. We got an over-under win total at six and a half. And, Bud, did you see that this was locked on Caesars? It was locked up? Yeah, I checked Caesars uh, New Jersey and Caesars uh, another location. And it was a little locked on it. So I'm like, do we have any... We sniffing anything out here? Air Force Conference win total was was locked this morning too. I, I was going over Mountain West stuff uh, early this morning before the kids woke up. I I, I don't know. Um, 
Yeah, well, let's break I'm it down. I'm not really sure what's going on with the Yeah, app. let's break it down at six and a half. That's what I had on my sheet uh, a couple weeks ago. They start with Elon at home on the Thursday of week one, then Vanderbilt at home. That's a loss. That's a loss. At ODU on the 16th, Georgia Tech on the 23rd, uh, week off in week five. Back in action at Clemson, at Virginia Tech, Pitt at home, Florida State at home, at Duke, NC State at home, at Notre Dame, at Syracuse. I don't know, boys. Tough, tough schedule here uh, for the Demon Deacons, a group that I do think still has studs at wide receiver, Jamal Banks, Donovan Green. I think that the confidence in Mitch Griffiths is not something that Warren Ruggiero, the offensive coordinator, and Dave Clawson are, are really gassing up. Do you do you believe in the offensive line? Do you believe in the defense? Because that's where things can fall apart against the best teams on this schedule. What are we doing with six and a half? Can I believe in Mitch Griffiths, but also sort of think they're going to miss Sam Hartman in obvious passing downs because like I think Dave Clausen can engineer points in a lot of games and I really do uh, hate hate to go under on this and like there's just certain coaches you just you don't make money betting under I'm not using my own money to bet under against Dave Clausen just to be totally clear we have to pick these and we do pick all of them for the show because it is great content Hartman and obvious passing downs where the slow mesh was not going to be a help was nails last year. I think Griffiths is totally capable of operating the offense the way they wanted to operate it. I'm not sure he's a difference maker when they fall behind the chains. I know they want to be better at running the football. Clawson talked about that both at ACC Media Day, and I already saw Les Johns of Demon Deacon Digest talk about his post-practice availability today. Scrolling across my, my timeline here on the the X app, uh, but which doesn't, still doesn't feel... Gosh, well, here's where I'm concerned. Texas took their one of their top cornerbacks. Oklahoma took their top uh, returning interior defensive lineman. The NFL draft took their other top returning or their other top interior defensive lineman. Like uh, this is almost never a good defense since Clawson's been there. Like it's basically never top 75, and more often in the, in the 80s and even 90s. Are they really better on defense? I, I know that's been kind of the narrative, but I, I'm, I'll, you're gonna have to show me. I'll, I'll go six and six, and I mean, yeah, he'll probably go eight and four or something. But I'm going six and six. <laughs> uh, I'm going over because yeah, it's it's more play on the coaching staff than it is anything else, and it's also play kind of like on the bottom of this league. And I still think that Dave Clawson and this staff and these players can you know get those wins against those teams. But this is also kind of the bizarro situation that we just talked about with NC State where they get Florida State at home, but all the rest of their like toughest games are seemingly on the road, which is a problem for them in a way. But you just, you know, they probably weren't going to win those most of the time to begin with. But like I think they're going to beat Elon. They're going to beat Old Dominion. They're probably beating Georgia Tech. I think they could beat Virginia Tech on the road. I think they could beat Pitt at home. NC State will be tough. I think they could beat Syracuse on the road. So to me there are concerns and I kind of echo what Bud is saying with defense, like they lost a lot of key dudes. I just think that offensively, even with Sam Hartman gone, there's just enough proof of concept in what Dave Clawson and this staff have done to give them the benefit of the doubt. So while I am not going to actually be betting this, my pick is going to be the over. I'm going to go with the under. I think that this schedule at the end is so brutal that you've got that really early off week and, I mean, you're coming back in action at Clemson, at Virginia Tech, Pitt, Florida State, 
at Duke on a Thursday night. That's a short turnaround right there. NC State at home, at Notre Dame, at Syracuse. I mean, think about this. Notre Dame, NC State, Florida State, Pitt, and Clemson. Those are five of the top seven or eight defensive lines in the entire Mm -hmm. ACC. Like That's going to be really tough for your offensive line to go through all of that you know, beating, you know, time and time again, and then still be able to be, to have the timing right of the the offense and everything at the end of the year, they, they're going to find their way to a bowl, right? Like, I, I do believe that Wake Forest will be a bowl team, but at six and a half and with the way the schedule finishes and the way the schedule concludes, um, not my strongest play, but uh, I am going to be on the under for Wake Forest. Danny is also on the under, so I am the only Wake Forest believer on this show. I hope everybody remembers that at the end of the season when Wake is eight and four. Thank you, Tom. I don't You're welcome, good, Wake. I don't have a good Dave Clawson. He was really excited to tell us about his villa in Italy. <laughs> How many games are going to win this fall? On to uh, Dino Babers and the Syracuse Orange. We're short on time. Don't worry, I'll have a Dino drop for you uh, here in the near future. Certainly. <laughs> if they are able to deliver the big wins. Uh, Syracuse over under win total is at six, also at six and a half over plus 130 under minus 160 Colgate at home, Western Michigan at home at Purdue, then army at home, then Clemson at home, then at North Carolina at Florida state. That is a quite a run with Clemson, UNC and Florida state. Then you go week off on the 21st back in action at Virginia tech, then Boston college at home, then Pitt in Yankees Stadium. Should be a pretty fun game right there, November 11th. Then at Georgia Tech, and then the season finale at home against Wake Forest. Garrett Schrader, year 12 of college football uh, (laughs) here with the Syracuse Orange. Uh, Remember, we just talked about Robert and I. He left Syracuse. Uh, The promotion internally was Jason Beck, and there is a lot of confidence, both from Dino, from Garrett, from people around the program that we're pretty much still going to be running more or like more or less the same thing. Aronde Gadsden at the tight end position, just kind of a all out utility freak. They're missing Sean Tucker, you know, mm-hmm. very, very gifted running back. Who's now on to the NFL. They also lost a couple players in the transfer portal to other power five programs in the secondary uh, with some additions to fill their spot as well. Tom, as, as we've said goodbye to, uh, to Bud and Danny, they've been clipped off one by one. If you're listening to this, you don't get to see these transitions. But uh, we'll have their picks in a second. Tom, where are you going with Syracuse? I'm fairly confident in this one. I'm going under. Mm. I just, I, I don't think the offense is going to have a significant drop-off. I do think that, you know, going from a night back, you're probably going to be seeing a lot of similar results to what we saw last year. My concern is on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think they're going to be as good as they were there last year. And then you kind of mentioned it, the the run that could just completely kill this team. Like they start with Colgate, Western Michigan, at Purdue and Army. Three of those games are at home. So maybe you're three and one, but you could lose to Army. But then getting Clemson at North Carolina and at Florida State in consecutive weeks before your bye. Like by the time they get to that bye, that could be one team that is beat to hell. And it could just be a very rough finish down the stretch. The win total is at, what, six and a half? Mm-hmm. I've got five and seven being more likely than six and six. Mm. So I this when we do the locks, the win total locks at the end of all this, there's a very good chance I will be discussing Syracuse once more. 
I am not. I am on the under. I am not that strong on the under. I think that you've got the you've got the situation where it's going to be very difficult holding this ticket. And I would not recommend you holding this ticket because you're going to be looking at the games that are coming up at the end of the year. You have to wait for the wins. You get a few of them early, like you're going to get three. I think minimum three early, but then when you're going to have to wait to get to Virginia Tech, to Georgia Tech, to Boston College. What do we talk about? Virginia, Virginia Tech, Boston College, and uh, Georgia Tech. Like those mm-hmm. are the four teams that sort of occupy the the bottom tier. Syracuse is on the you know the thicket that is the middle of this conference. Maybe not at the top of it, but you still want to see as much, many of those teams as possible from the bottom tier. They get three of them, but they're all at the end of the year. So I. I think they're six and six, um, but I it is going to be a really tough sweat to be able to go through the season and know, be like, all right, don't worry. The wins are coming later. The wins are coming later because, as you mentioned, the physicality that they're going to face along the way is certainly going to be something uh, difficult to overcome. And Danny and Bud are both on the under, so it's a clean sweep. Woo! Sorry, Q's. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, my bad. Dino, we'll, we'll apologize later, but there's – you know, there's, there's an, this is, this is where, this is where I got flipped. This is where I got turned upside down, Tom. The Boston College Eagles over under win total of five and a half with the over at minus 135, the under at plus 105. They open the season with Northern Illinois at home, Holy Cross at home, then Florida State at home, then at Louisville, Virginia at home, then at Army, off on October 14th, back in action at Georgia Tech. UConn at home at Syracuse, Virginia Tech at home at Pitt, and then Miami at home. Uh, when once it was one, two, three, big Friday night Eagles. If you're into Friday night college football, Boston College will be delivering it to you once we get into October. Um, we obviously have uh, you know Phil Dracovic is now a Pitt Panther. Zay Flowers is now in the NFL. A couple transfer portal additions on the offensive side, including Ryan O'Keefe at the wide receiver position and Nick uh, Castellanos from UCF to provide some competition for Emmett Moorhead at the quarterback position. There are also some players on the defensive line that probably could have uh, gotten out and sought other opportunities in the transfer portal, but Boston College was able to hang on to them. Tom, what are you doing with this one? As I go through this schedule, there are five games I'm fairly confident in Boston College's ability to win. There's the NIU game, the Holy Cross game, the Virginia game, the UConn game, and then Ad Army. Like, I think that'll be tough. They could but I, 4-0 in non-con. They could. So the question is, among the rest of the games, can I find two more kind of wins to get them to this over? And like at Syracuse feels like it would be one of those games. But it's on a Friday night, on the road, on a short week, after your homecoming game against UConn. That's tough. Uh, Pitt is on a Thursday night, on a short week, on the road, after Virginia Tech. I'm going over. I do think this team is going to 6-6 and and getting to a bowl game. But I do not have an incredibly high level of confidence in there. I I think some people are probably a little confused seeing the win total at five and a half after what we saw from BC last year, but I think it's that high for a reason. I think this team is a much better team than the one we saw last year. I just don't like the way the schedule works out where some of these winnable games are at odd times. So, I'm again, going over, I do not love it. Oh, I love it. 
I love it. I'm going all the way over. And by the way, thank you to Rob in the chat. Um, Nick Castellanos has the deep drive to left field. <laughs> Thomas Castellanos is the name of the former UCF quarterback uh, who's come in to provide some competition for Emmett Moorhead. And who knows, you know, maybe he's such an electric playmaker himself. Maybe he does end up making an appearance. So uh, there were 10 different starting offensive line combinations through Boston College's first 10 games. Nine different players had at least two starts. Christian Mahogany, one of the best offensive linemen in the entire ACC, goes down with an ACL before the season. Then you lose two more starters uh, with to a meniscus and another season-ending injury. They were training defensive linemen to be offensive linemen by the time we got into late October and November. And simply the, put, the inability to do anything at the line of scrimmage just tore everything apart. Boston College is supposed to be better on the offensive line. It is one of the places that they sort of put the core of their identity, and Jeff Halfley knows it. Any like mild increase in injury luck along the offensive line is going to allow for Boston College to operate its offense more efficiently. I think that this is a huge pressure year to make a bowl game for Boston College. And guess what? When the offensive line isn't falling apart, the first two years of Jeff Halfley's tenure, six wins, six Pretty wins. Good. Come on, let's go. Six wins. It's going to be happening. It's a bowl team. And what I don't know is exactly whether it's going to be something wild. Like I mentioned, red bandana game is against Florida State in week mm -hmm. three. The week before, Florida State has to play Clemson. Like in between LSU and Clemson, Boston College is going to throw the red bandana game at the Knowles. That's that's a lot. The non-con schedule. It, I don't I don't know what the loophole is. Normally, you've got one Power Five conference team. I guess Army and UConn combined count yeah. as a Power Five conference team. So I think they're four and zero in non-conference play. I think their defensive line is good, going to be good. Their offensive line is going to be better, and they are going to find a way to get themselves two ACC wins. and uh, And that's how we get Boston College bowling. They need to win that Virginia game if this over is going to hit. Um, both Bud and Danny, this is another clean sweep. Both Bud and Danny are on the over in this one as well, although Bud is closer to me where he says barely over. So we hate Syracuse and we all love Boston College on the Cover 3 podcast. What my, uh, my what, what, how things have changed over the years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. All right, so. We still have some time. If you're watching us live, as many, many, many of you are, and or if you're listening to this on, on Monday afternoon or even Tuesday morning, then you still have time to go and place a bid to be a guest picker on Wednesday's ACC Win Totals Part 2 show. Proceeds benefit the St. Jude's Children's Hospital. Uh, we love being partnered with them all throughout the preseason. You know, it's a big part of CBS Sports, CBS Sports Digital. You know, that partnership includes, uh, you know, fantasy football connections, lots going on. And we're going to continue to offer opportunities to connect with our listeners, our viewers, and uh, get you involved in the show. So please head on over. We will drop the link in the episode description so that you can bid on that as well. 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Tuesday. Uh, that is when you will see that uh, auction come to a close. So go and get your bid in and come join us for Wednesday's ACC Win Totals Part 2. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Tom, thank you very much. Thank you.
It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus. 